Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CFB Unfiltered. I am Blaine Gilmer here with Josh Taylor and Donovan White as we bring you reaction to a week 11 that saw the Oklahoma Sooners go down and the CFP, uh, you know, playoff rankings and, and prospects get thrown into all different kinds of scenarios. Cincinnati continues to look like they absolutely do not belong in the conversation. And anybody that says they does, I will fight you to the death on that uh, because I'm just telling you, Cincinnati is a pretender if I've ever seen one. I know Georgia fans, I, I'm on message boards all day, Josh, uh, you know, for UGA Sports. They're praying to the dear Lord above that Cincinnati <laughs> gets in as the four seed. They would love to to face Cincinnati in that scenario. But uh, Josh Donovan, but you know, before we kind of get into the show here and we talk about Oklahoma to start off with, any, you know, overarch, overarching, uh, you know, thoughts that you have coming off of week 11? For me, the game I was looking forward to most, this might surprise you, Donovan, you might understand, was UNC and Pittsburgh, just the quarterback duel down there, you know, two top-name guys for the draft. Obviously, Washington's looking for a quarterback, so I was all eyes on this game. Turned out to be a phenomenal, dirty, wet, overtime game. Uh, But other than that, it was really just, like you said, the pretenders really kind of fizzling themselves out with Oklahoma. And who doesn't love two teams that a lot of people hate with Florida and Texas looking terrible and i can't wait to talk about that also donovan yeah i i'm with you there josh i think the pretenders kind of getting knocked out it almost kind of sets you up you're waiting to see which one's next right it almost feels like there's another one or another two that are going to drop whether it's it's cincinnati (laughs) or ohio state or or oregon or or alabama maybe in, in the last week right it almost feels like we're waiting for one more you know to kind of show their true colors and I think that's kind of the feel we've gotten this past weekend, but all of college football this, you know, so far this year. No doubt. And when you talk about, you know, college football, one thing that it's been difficult to do, Josh, and I think you know this more than all of us, because you, as I say, you're our resident gambler here uh, that, that you, you know, do. It's not good. <laughs> It's hard to it's hard to bet on these games because this has been one of the most unpredictable years. But if you are bold and you want to go out there and try to try your hand at some of these games and lines, and we'll give you our best bets here today heading into week 12 after we kind of recap what happened in week 11, then guys, bet online is where you need to go to – not only get your odds and get your you know prop bets and things like that, but also put down your action because Bet Online remains the number one spot for basketball and football action this season. NBA basketball is in full swing. I know our man Josh over there, your Memphis Grizzly fan, uh, uh, you know John Morant doing his thing. The Warriors seem to be back doing what they do. Uh, there's fights coming up with Darian Williams and Frank Gore Jr. that we or that we have to figure out, or Frank Gore Jr. that we have to uh, go through and see uh, Frank Gore Jr. is playing at Southern Miss right now. That's why I thought uh, thought about him. But head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website 
to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. Like I said, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even Vegas casino games, they have you covered over there, and you want to take advantage of all of the great deals of the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And speaking of starting things off, uh, Donovan, you know, it started off on that noon kickoff, the Big 12 uh, kickoff there, their Fox, you know, big noon kickoff with Oklahoma uh, taking on Baylor. And I think everybody thought coming into this that Baylor was going to give them a good run, but at the, 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 you know, Caleb Williams hype train. I mean, it was it was chugging along coming into this one, and it got derailed in a hurry. Listen, as we were talking pre-show, Vegas stole a lot of money from people who bet the the, uh, the Caleb Williams, <laughs> yeah, the Caleb Williams Heisman favorite. I think it was fourth or fifth uh, to win a decent amount of money. They stole a lot of money from people out there. Um, but Baylor, you know, again, like you mentioned, we thought it was going to be a good game. I think it was a five five and a half point spread. Baylor got consistent pressure, right, on Oklahoma's offensive line on Caleb Booms. I mean, he was under pressure a lot, right, and it caused him to make mistakes. Run game couldn't get going. And on the flip side, Oklahoma, we talked a lot about their defense and the struggles they had. We talked last week about how they had the 17th best rushing, you know, defense in the league or in, in college football. They were getting gashed. They were getting gashed by the run game. Uh, Oklahoma's overrated and is a 9-3 team at best. I agree with that. I agree with that because they might lose at Iowa State this coming weekend yeah, after Kobe, what they showed. Kobe Long uh, telling us that he thinks they're they're overrated, and I, I tend to tend to agree. But uh, Josh, you know, what do what do you think? Just uh, you know, Baylor obviously is a physical team, and Dave Aranda uh, just having that defense uh, to confuse two quarterbacks that one's just young and talented, and the other one Spencer Young that his head's been spinning all year. It seems like so. Uh, when you got a defensive mastermind in Dave Aranda, that just didn't bode well for the Sooners on this day. Yeah, and Donovan mentioned it. Five sacks, nine tackles for losses, and then two interceptions on Caleb Williams. You really want to create opportunities for your offense. And I've been harsh of Gary uh, Bohannon. Like he, he makes plays mostly on his feet. He's not going to kill you with his arms. We've seen that over and over, especially against Oklahoma State. But Abram Smith. He's a pretty dang good uh, running back for a former linebacker. 20 carries, 148 yards on the ground. And then once again, like I said, Bohannon just doing a lot with his feet with nine carries, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. If you're a quarterback averaging almost 12 yards a carry, how do you not make adjustments if you're Oklahoma's uh, defensive coordinator? Like That's embarrassing to be able to just run at will as a quarterback against that. And we've seen teams run all over Oklahoma all season long, so you can't be but so surprised but what really stands out to me is Kennedy Brooks only 13 carries and 51 yards and a touchdown. That to yeah. me was like the statement for Baylor. Like, yes, you embarrass these two Heisman hopeful quarterbacks, but you just shut down the run game completely and say, like, we are going to make you play these quarterbacks and try to make big plays against us and just completely got rid of Kennedy Brooks the game. Yeah, and when you talk about the defensive coordinator and, cha- and you know changing things up and adjustments – People have been saying for two years now, oh, Alex Grinch, he's going to get things turned around there at Oklahoma. There's some difference in this in this defense and things like that, yet they're giving up. They're in, you know, nail biters with Tulane, and they're out there, Kansas. you know, giving up giving up rushing yards to uh, God and everybody when they come out against you. And it's just not 
been it's been an Achilles heel and and they've been able to get away with it during the Lincoln Riley era right because he's been able to basically um, my wife said this talking about an establishment in town today they've been able to put a a band-aid over a bullet hole so to speak you know being able <laughs> well, to like a Taco Bell yeah I, mean, <laughs> I can't I'm not at liberty to discuss here in public but I'll t- <laughs> tell you off air but when it comes to it you know they've been able to uh, just cover up their defensive weaknesses by having, you know, multiple Heisman Trophy winners and finalists and things like that at quarterback. And eventually that well runs dry, right? And and you see that happening on not only with Oklahoma, but also with Clemson as well. Clemson has been, uh, Josh, you like to say, bailed out by two generational quarterbacks back-to-back into Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence. And then everybody thinks uh, DJ Uongalele is going to be the same guy. Hasn't turned out to be fruition there. Uh, one game that's not going to be part of our previews, but will be interesting this week, is the Clemson-Wake Forest game. I think that's going to be – that game. Yeah, Sam Hartman. I like. I like. I. I just if they score more than fourteen, I don't know if Clemson can get up that high. I think there's like a glass ceiling there on the on the points uh, this year. So, but uh, Donovan, before we move on from this Oklahoma and Baylor game, uh, kind of last thoughts on that. And and you know Baylor now, I think the w- Big Twelve's weird and not having the divisions and things like that. But you know Baylor, Oklahoma State, it, this thing is wide open to see who can end up taking the Big Twelve. Yeah, I mean, again, I said this a few weeks ago. Oklahoma has a has a culture problem, right? And Lincoln O'Reilly is a great coach. He's a great mind. He's a great offensive mind. But for whatever reason, this team they just play flat, right? I, and I don't know what it is. And you could we we all felt right us three and college football world kind of feel that something was going to slip up for them more than any other team. Right? You see Cincinnati struggling. You saw you see Oregon. You see Ohio State a little bit. But even of all of them, you felt like Oklahoma was going to be the one that was going to slip up eventually. And that speaks to the culture of this team, not of Lincoln Riley's tenure, not of not of what he's built for whatever reason, but this team. Um, and it's interesting to see in comparison to the Big 12 teams. Oklahoma State does not have that problem. They have the opposite of that problem. They have a great culture there. Baylor, obviously, they don't have that problem. So it's interesting to see the kind of you know, difference right, in these Big 12 teams and the, the assumed favorites that Oklahoma was. Yeah, yeah, if you're we, Oklahoma State, you're smiling at this game because oh, you yeah. play a lot like Baylor. You have a really good defense, mm-hmm. and you're going to run the ball at will. I mean, look what they did against TCU with Jalen Warren and Dominic Richardson just running all over them. Both had over 100 yards rushing, combining five rushing touchdowns on TCU. That's a pretty good defense. Like That's what they're known for, putting guys in the NFL on defense. But you really watch that game. You're playing at home to end the season against Oklahoma in your rivalry game. You're like, oh, yeah, well, we're winning this game. Well, we've talked about it before. Uh, on this season it seems like there's been a renaissance of defense and running the football this year right Mm -hmm. there's been teams that are built to do that and are built to win in the trenches uh, are really kind of rising to the forefront this year you know Georgia of course dominating competition in the trenches running the football playing great defense Michigan has kind of reasserted themselves in the national conversation by doing the same thing. Michigan State is a running football team. Even Ohio State, guys, even when when, uh, C.J. Stroud was struggling, it was uh, Travion Henderson in that running game that kept Ohio State going. Now, they can't play defense worth a lick, but that's that's an outlier there in, uh, in, in that conversation. But I think the ability to run the football, and I think, Josh, that's one thing that you're going to see out of uh, can Alabama? I think that's one thing that Alabama is going to be looking to 
showed that they can do when they face Arkansas this week because six rushing yards against LSU. I know Nick Saban, that had to be making him pull out what hair that, you know, he was already kind of losing over there. Yeah, Williams is banged up, so it's up to Trey Sanders coming back from the car accident. We've been waiting for him, you know, the the five-star recruit he is as a running back. He's going to have more of a role moving forward because the injuries have piled up in the linebacker room. Obviously, it's going to be B-Rob running it 20 to 30 times a game. Yeah, and, and and that's two that's two physical games for that Alabama team, Arkansas and Auburn. I think definitely now with Bo Nix's ankle being yeah. broken, I think they win both of those games. But you, it's just an interesting dynamic to look at. Okay, they're going to have to face two physical SEC West teams, whereas Georgia leading into the SEC championship game is facing Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So it's two <laughs> two different two different dynamics going into there. Yeah, we but, think about y'all this weekend. Absolutely, but uh, don't we, pull hey, Florida. Hey, Alabama had Mercer earlier this year, so we don't want to. <laughs> we always, I feel like we always play them like every year, though. <laughs> Absolutely. So, remember the uh, set, With the now, let's talk about with Oklahoma going down. Who does that help the most? I think the answer is Cincinnati, right? And you know, we've talked about it. I've let off the show with it. Cincinnati does not belong in the playoff conversation, in my opinion. Yes, they beat everybody out in front of them, but the teams out in front of them. When you talk about the the Big Ten East being so good this year, the SEC West being so good this year, and then, of course, what Georgia's doing. So you've got multiple teams in the SEC there and multiple teams in the Big Ten. Uh, even in Oklahoma State and a Baylor, I would put ahead of if, if they finish out with, you know, being the Big 12 champion, I would put the Big 12 champion over Cincinnati, but that's just me. Maybe what Oklahoma your- State, because they only have one loss. Baylor has two. It'd be yeah. hard to put in a two-loss team. But yeah, if uh, Oklahoma still, State wins out. Two, still two-loss team playing the Big 12 schedule versus what Cincinnati plays, I would put them in. But I think it also is going to depend on what happens with Notre Dame as well. But, I was about to say, that's the team to me that really helps out getting that last spot. If Cincinnati does lose, you know, it helps Notre Dame even more. But it's really going to come down to that last spot. They they pray to God that Alabama loses in the SC Championship game to secure an uh, open spot, whether it's Cincinnati or Notre Dame. But like you said, Oklahoma, if they were to win out, they obviously would have made it into the playoffs. There would have to be a lot to happen for them to not make it as an undefeated Big 12 champion. But, you know, Donovan, when you talk about this this Cincinnati team, you know, once again, I mean, struggling to put USF away. I mean, they end up getting a, a garbage touchdown there at the end after the game was out of the way of breaking a long touchdown run. But that game is realistically within 10 points with a minute left to go against a, a two and eight, I guess now USF team. And they struggled against Navy before that. They struggled against Tulsa before that. It has just been consistently lack of style points. And I know people should say, well, it should be all about your record. Well, it matters when you're playing eight, when you're a group of five team, the game control matters and it's not been there for, for Cincinnati. Yep, exactly. And listen, Cincinnati, I think I've mentioned it last week, Right now, any team that Cincinnati is playing, right, that spread, you know, against for that team is free money at this point. It's free money for me last week with South Florida. I appreciate it, South Florida. Thank you for very uh, adding to the bank account. But <laughs> Donovan says, "Go Bulls." Hey, listen, I, it, it's twenty-four and a half. I think with twenty-four points was it was it was too easy. But listen, Cincinnati, and, and we'll see later in the rankings. It's it's not so much for do they deserve to be higher than other teams because if you look at it, I mean. Just objectively, so you put the, you take the name off the team, right? Cincinnati probably deserves right to be ahead of some of these teams. They beat Notre Dame, who's an AP top 
seven, top six team, right? And we can get into that later. But it's just more of like you look at it. It's like, would they beat Ole Miss? No. Would they, would, would they beat Texas A&M? I don't think so. Even after A&M's list, would they beat Baylor? Uh, maybe, maybe. Would they beat Oklahoma State? No chance. So those kind of five through nine, five through 12 teams, you have to really compare them to because you can't compare them to the one through four teams right now because I just I think that's out of the question. You just see Sam, Sam Kim says he'll be rooting for the Mustangs this weekend. Is that the and I haven't even checked the the mm-hmm. schedule. Is that is that up for is it SMU Cincinnati this week? Is because yep. because if that is, I'm taking SMU. Yep. I, Saturday three thirty. Yep. Saturday three thirty. Uh, same time as that Alabama Arkansas game, which would be interesting. Not because I think that Arkansas can, but I just want to see how Alabama plays. Right. Mm-hmm. I just want to see do they play down to competition against LSU or do they look like Alabama should look? But yeah, Sam Kim Mustangs, uh, Tanner Mordecai, you know, able to able to to move though. the ball around, put mm-hmm. points up, and that's something that Cincinnati has kind of struggled struggled to do. Um, you know, it says I agree. At least one of the Texas teams, uh, Houston or SMU, yeah, t- takes takes things over Cincinnati. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting right there to see what happens. We got people talking on here. The birds were UTSA and Baylor are the two that. best teams in Texas. I love yeah, that. UTSA. Come on, trailer <laughs> trailer coach of the that. year. The Roadrunners are uh, definitely. I would take. I would take UTSA over Texas right now if they if they play head to head. I think. Uh, I think the Roadrunners have a much better culture than than what's going on. Um, no, you know when it talks about that, and that kind of leads us in. We talked about uh, playoff scenarios, and we're going to give our top tens here in a minute. But there are one question I wanted to ask is, you know, there are two nationally traditionally respected programs that are absolute dumpster fires right now in Texas and Florida. Which program is the bigger dumpster fire right now? And, you know, is there, there's already some people talking about eight months into it, uh, Steve Sarkeesian being on a hot seat. And we know that uh, basically there is no seat left because it's already burned up with uh, Dan Mullen over there in Florida. So Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on those two programs and which one's in worse peril right now? It's for me, it's really thinking like, would you rather lose to Kansas or just look really, really bad to Samford, not Stanford, not the, not the mm-hmm. tree with eyes, but Samford, like it looked like a college basketball game. Like if the season just started, I was looking on the app. I was like, oh, no, nope, that's basketball. Let me get to the football section. I was like, oh, wait, that <laughs> that's actually the score. I can't even tell you where Samford is, to be honest with you. So for me, I think about it, and you've talked about how Florida's Alabama. recruiting. Well, see, that, that's even worse. <laughs> I've been to a lot of places in Alabama. I've never heard of Sanford. But you talk about how bad Florida's recruiting has been the last few seasons. Like, it's not good. Like, it used to be the place to go. Like, we talk about, like, the swagger and stuff like that. Of Like, you wanted to go to Florida. It has been so bad. I feel like Texas recruiting, they still have big names. Like, they've been doing better than Florida. And they have the talent there. And it's just it it's really confusing because you see Dan Mullen just struggling to coach this team. Like, what quarterback are we gonna play? Why is this defense so bad? There is no Florida team that has probably come close to allowing that many points against such a low down opponent. So you know Todd Grantham had to be just sitting back laughing his butt off after getting fired last week, yeah. and then they give up. Yeah, it worked out halftime. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Texas, I feel like, and they've shown that they're like they can compete with some teams like with the Oklahoma game, how exciting that was. Like they have playmakers on the team. 
Florida, they have a couple playmakers. Like you can make some arguments, but like Texas shows that they have some guys on the team that can make big plays, and they're just not showing up. And I put that all on coaching, which is hard to say because I like I like Sarkeesian. Obviously, he was great at Alabama, didn't do too good in Atlanta. Um, but like to me, it's just it's disappointing to see that Texas team not perform up to its standards with the talent they have. Like I said, Florida, you've been struggling recruiting. I'm not, but so surprised you lost everything last season with all the playmakers you had. And it's really just showing this season. Donovan. Yeah. I think there's two things people underestimate when it comes to, you know, struggling programs, especially I think Steve, Steve Sarkeesian uh, mentioned it uh, on Saturday or Sunday that there was like 30 plus open scholarships basically that they were needed to get rid of. Right. And I came into a program where the year before that there, it was like that, right. It was, uh, you know, it was, there was plenty of open scholarships where guys didn't want to be there anymore. Right. They, for whatever reason, they just didn't want to. Right. And I agree with that. You know, Texas needs to give, you know, Sark some time to change the culture. <laughs> they won't, but they should. Again, there is no reason why Texas shouldn't change the culture. But the second thing people underestimate is with Florida, which is why I think it's a bigger disappointment. And this is no shade to any lower division. Right. There is a massive difference between SEC recruiting, even though you mentioned Josh has been struggling, SEC recruiting and FCS talent level. It is a massive difference, and I don't think that can be understated, which is why it is so disappointing for Florida to have let 50-plus points be scored on them by an FCS team. Again, no shade to any of those guys or to anyone, not at FBS level, but it's a completely different level for a reason. But if you're Texas, you're coming to SEC like, oh, we're going to start getting these recruits. No, you're no. not. <laughs> it's no, not gonna no. just, they're not going to start showing up and say, oh, Texas, you know, it's this tradition. They're in the SEC now. Like, recruits, they'll, they don't want to go to this team looking like that, losing the They'll go to A&M before. before, before well, oh, absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, there were whispers, oh, Archman and uh, Texas got the inside Heck route. No. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, after the Bo Davis uh, video came out on the bus <laughs> and somebody recorded that video, one – the fact that the team has that much discord in it and, and that much uh, lack of awareness that somebody would record what's going on on that bus and put it out there, that turns the Mannings off right there. I can tell you they're I mean, old the stripper story. monkeys in Texas? Like, no yeah, one wants that. The, the guy having – yeah, the the, the monkeys <laughs> – well, is it the – yeah, I guess you would refer to it as the, the, the stripper's monkey. I don't know. Pet, we got to – The pet yeah. monkey. Well, Pole assassin, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. That's turning off the man and family. I'm I'm certain about that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, so even though Steve Sarkeesian is a great offensive mind, there's lots of issues there. Um, and you know, now if you miss out on an Arch Manning and you move to the SEC, which I think was the biggest reason that Arch Manning is even considering Texas, you know, to begin with, is because he's moving into the SEC footprint. But you got to compete with Alabama. You got to compete with Georgia. All these kind of guys. Now Georgia's uh, starting to go out into Texas and and try to pull some of those guys. I know Dylan Riola is a class of 2024 quarterback that is uh, the the uh, son of longtime Lions offensive lineman uh, Riola, uh, Damian Riola, that played 14 years with the Detroit Lions. His son's a quarterback. Uh, unbelievable prospect him and dj lagway out there they've got a lot of uh class of 2023 and 2024 prospects that are now being recruited by other sec schools so it's already starting you say you want to come to the sec we'll see because they they need a massive rehaul uh in terms of their recruiting and things like that to get that roster right and sec schools like 
the sharks that are out there in Nick Saban, in Kirby Smart, in in Lane Kiffin are already targeting out there. Uh, who knows who LSU's coach is going to be? Um, so we'll see what when ends you want up stability happening. as a recruit. Like you don't look at Texas and say, "All right, I don't know how long Sarkeesian is going to be there. I'm probably going to be transferring in a year or two, anyways." If I'm March Manning, like you, you don't want that. Like you want like people think of like the culture. And I'll even like obviously Nick Saban's one of those guys. Like you think about and they're starting to get their quarterbacks now. It starts with you know Bryce Young. Mac Jones, like some highly recruited guys to a Tagovailoa. They're starting to get more respect as a quarterback school. But you, you look at the coaches and the culture that they're building. Kirby Smart is absolutely one of those guys. As much as I hate to say it, but Georgia, I loved Kirby here. Like you watch the tapes and behind the scenes kind of stuff with Kirby Smart, and they're just building that strong team. So I think a guy like Arch Manning is going to stay far away from Texas. I could see him going to Ole Miss because who doesn't love Lane Kiffin and that offense? But if you if you're coming to the SEC, these recruits are not looking at you because of your history and your past and what you have. They're looking at stability. They want to they want to come in, compete with the best, win games, and look good. There's no other coach in America that would go on college uh, game day and be the guest picker other than Lane Kiffin, that, the current that coach. That takes some major cojones to go in there and start. I guess a really good team. Like, yeah. yeah. And but and and to be picking against guys who are your colleagues that, that you know and all that he kind of stuff. Tennessee though. Yeah. He, well, he just, <laughs> hates, he just hates Georgia. That's that's all that is. But he to hates it. Tennessee yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's probably trying to earn good graces. Uh, who knows yeah, that? He's out of Could come back open one day. He may need to go back there. You know. You never know. But uh, Bernie Bridges. Yeah, <laughs> Bernie and Bridges. That's for sure. But so, you know, we've talked about playoff scenarios we've talked about these teams that are struggling right now and uh we're going to get to our previews here in a minute but before we get into our previews of the biggest games that are going to have the impact this week we do want to tell you not necessarily what we think the committee will do but what we would do if we were on the committee so uh donovan i'm going to uh bring this up uh, right here first and uh, first of all I, I, we kind of talked about these but we didn't put them up i don't want donovan's hard work to go unnoticed uh, it showed some headlines here of oklahoma finally loses yes we've t- uh, talked about that baylor uh the defense you know was phenomenal holding oklahoma down but frustrated both quarterbacks so that changes up this playoff race and of course this wasn't a playoff related but it's well headline worthy with picture uh, texas not being back <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, Kansas, man, it just unbelievable action there, and, and being able to uh, the the unlikeliest of heroes catching the conversion. I mean, it's just it's just a great story. That's why you watch college football, right? Oh, For yeah. those those kind of things, right there. But Donovan, we're going to let you uh, lead off with what you think the college football playoff rankings should look like when they come out tomorrow. And again, this is not what they will. Look like. This is what they should look like. I think Georgia is the unquestioned number one, and I think Ohio State is the unquestioned number two. Blaine, I said pre-show, I'm going to have an interesting stat for you about Georgia and why they should be a little worried, right? And again, Ohio State bias here, and I'll address that in a second. Georgia, the average offensive ranking of the team they've played this season is 59th. They have played the average, the 59th best on average offense for this season in each game, right? That should tell you, I'm not doubting their defensive talent, I'm not doubting their defensive strength, I'm just saying the the fact remains they play the, on average, 59th best offense every time. That's great. Now go take Georgia off their schedule and look at where they're ranked. Because here's another stat for you. Georgia, the teams that they're playing against are averaging on the year, if you add all their averages up, they're averaging 30 points a game, right? 
Georgia's holding those same teams to 7.6 points a game. So they're they're that they hold teams well under three touchdowns under their uh under their average when that it comes true. when it when it comes down to it. So I think it's a little bit skewed when you that talk about point. if 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 they weren't facing Georgia, they like you look at all those teams that go up like a uh you know that are in the 50s, they go up to the 30 range because they don't have a zero. They're on there on their on their thing so that is skewed a little bit but continue on with your ranking that is, that is a fair point because i did the same thing with ohio state and they played on average the 55 55th best defense uh in terms of the offense versus defense and again that number is going to change when they play michigan state michigan and iowa wisconsin but either way it goes <laughs> to the two top teams in the country right now alabama as much as i hate to put them at number three i, I despise it they are better than anyone else behind them in my opinion not to say that they couldn't lose to anyone behind them but I think right now the third best team, Oregon. I think they deserve to be there, even with the loss to Stanford. I think their run game is among the best in the, in the country right now. I think their defense has the talent. Right, they're just you, you see little cracks in there right now and then. Uh, Michigan State, <laughs> Donovan is baptized in the Ohio State play. <laughs> I listen. I lead off. I admit it. I'm in Ohio State. When it, when you have the best football program in the country, I don't know why you wouldn't brag about it. <laughs> um, Michigan State at number five. I think. Y- I understand the you know the lost Purdue. But Purdue is a giant killer. Um, no one else behind them, in my opinion, has proven to be better than them. They beat Michigan. Uh, Oklahoma State has lost to unranked Iowa. Uh, but to Oklahoma State's point, I think they have one of the best defenses in college football. Um, I think behind Georgia, you can make the argument that that's them. Wisconsin's up there. Iowa, right? Uh, Michigan, I keep it seven. I, again, Michigan, I watched them play Penn State. They're slow, like I've been saying all year. Their defensive line is great. The front seven is great. Quarterback's bad. Their running backs are very good. Their O-line's good. Their wide receivers, skill players are slow. Uh, Ole Miss, I put it eight. I've been pretty high on them. Um, I think Matt Corral, when he gets, you know, he's get, getting a little more healthy, right? They beat Texas A&M, who's allegedly a top 10 team. Um, I think they're, you know, up there and they can play with a lot of people. Cincinnati at number nine, right? Again, like I said, not that they don't deserve to be higher, but can you honestly say that Ole Miss wouldn't beat them right now? No, no one can honestly say that, that they are positive that Cincinnati beat Ole Miss. And then Baylor, number 10, again, I we, I think we we're all a little low on Oklahoma anyway, so you don't want to shoot Baylor up too high in the rankings, but you got to give them credit for beating undefeated Oklahoma. Forget Ole Miss or forget anybody like that. What about Mississippi State? Put Mississippi State and Will Rogers out there. They're running through Cincinnati. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you put half the country out there against Cincinnati that is not in the terrible conference that is the AAC, and they are going to beat Cincinnati senseless. Like they stole something. That is, that's, that's what's going to happen. So, uh, that's that is uh, Donovan's top ten there. Josh, go ahead and uh, tell us your top ten. I will say right off the jump, I meant to flip Baylor and Oklahoma State, so do not kill me. <laughs> I know there's a lot of big te- uh, Big Twelve people watching this one, but starting out, I have Georgia at number one, obviously Alabama number two. Um, I think they'll handle Arkansas pretty well. I don't, I don't think it's going to be another LSU game. I think they come out, make a statement against Arkansas. Ohio State, number three, I will say, has been so impressive on offense. It's it's unfair of all the weapons they have. If only they could find a defense in the Big Ten to help out with that offense. And then Oregon at number four, you know, we really didn't know what was going to happen with them after C.J. Verdell went down, but they have a big opportunity this week to make a statement against Utah, who we're going to talk about. So they have that head-to-head matchup over Ohio State, which – 
the committee has been pretty inconsistent with of how much head-to-heads really matter. Um, and then also I have Michigan State at five. You know, like you said, Donovan, they did lose to Purdue. Uh, Purdue didn't look terrible against Ohio State, but you can only expect Purdue to do so much against top five teams, you know, over and over like they did. Um, and I have Michigan at six. Donovan, like you said, they've been running the ball so well. Uh, Kay McNamara has impressed me thoroughly, and they have one of the best defensive players with Aiden Hutchinson, who is a freak who's going to be a top 10 pick easily this season. Cincinnati, they're undefeated. They have that one, you know, pretty card win over Notre Dame, I guess. Like, that's what they're using to say, hey, we're undefeated and we have this great win. Uh, we'll see what they do against SMU, who, like you said, is going to put up big points. And I meant to have Oklahoma State at nine because they do have that head-to-head win over Baylor and only one loss. And like I said, Donovan, it was a really close loss to Iowa State, who's unranked, but still they're a talented team. Oklahoma State could very well be undefeated right now. I'm really interested to see where they would be. If they were undefeated still, like you said, they have Oklahoma to end the season. So they can make they can make a little splash if something crazy happens above them. And then Ole Miss at 10, like you said, Matt Corral, just an offensive juggernaut. Really impressed me on the defensive side against Texas A&M. I know Calzada was banged up, you know, from the Alabama game in the last few weeks. He's just been coming back to normal. But Ole Miss created a lot of pressure, opportunities for their offense, and you could just feel that home field advantage. Okay, so, uh, you know, the bird's word, these guys realized that Oregon beat Ohio State. Yes, they beat Ohio State. What was that, week two, I think, no. back then? And these teams are entirely different now. I, I just I, – that that's my that's my point right here. When you look at the, the body of work and where they've, they've come from, I think that it is just, uh, you know, entirely different ball, t- ball teams right now where they are. And I also look at the body of work. Okay, who have they uh, played against on a week in, week out basis to get where they are in terms of record wise? And you know, Ohio State—they're about to have a chance to prove if they're if they're going to end oh, up yeah. being better where they need to yep. be because they're going to face the gauntlet. It is the Big Big Ten East? So uh, that is Josh's top ten there. And Blaine, let me let me just throw this out real quick. The, I, I understand Oregon beat Ohio State, right? And again, the little Ohio State homer me is going to flare up, right? We we all get it at home too. Is that home? Yeah, too? at home. I was at that game. It sucked to watch, right? <laughs> the <laughs> the consistent little you know the hammering of Oregon beat Ohio State, right? I that I think is one of the the laziest takes of all of this season because if anyone says right now, not that Oregon couldn't beat Ohio State again because anything can happen, but if right now that Oregon is a better team than Ohio State. They are lying to themselves. They hate Ohio State. They hate the Big Ten. Or they're, for whatever reason, they're just, they love Oregon. They're just angry at the world. The they are line. lying to themselves. It, it, the same way that if, if I said that Texas A&M is a better team than Alabama, I'd be lying myself because I hate the SEC that much. And I hate them that much, but I won't lie to myself that much. Yeah, I, I think you're going to I think you're gonna see a lot – uh, when it happens. So no, we're not saying games don't matter. It's saying that you can, an, an early loss from one team yep. has proven in terms of what the committee thinks as well is way more forgivable. Not that it should be, but is way more forgivable uh, than it is, you know, later in the yep. season, especially in its recency bias and it's things of that nature. So uh, here is my take on where everything is. I've got uh, Georgia and Alabama again, there. Uh, Ohio State 
Oregon, yes, I know the dynamic. We just talked about it. I just think Ohio State has improved more since that time period. And also, uh, I think they lost their loss to a good Oregon team is better than the loss that Oregon has on their schedule right now with that Stanford Stanford, uh, Stanford loss that's three and seven on the year and inconsistent. I know they had uh, more head out, not calling plays that game, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't able to. I think Oklahoma State, uh, you got the Michigan stools there at five and six, but Oklahoma State is positioned right here with the defense and the ability they have to run the football to be able to jump in to that top four. They have it. I think they will beat Oklahoma not once, but probably twice. I think I I don't I think Oklahoma is a wreck right now. And Oklahoma State is a much better uh team. And they have better leadership in my opinion. I think Lincoln Riley is having to um I think Lincoln Riley is having to you know deal with all these distractions of will he go to LSU, all that kind of stuff. But when you talk about Oklahoma State, I think they are the most well-positioned team to sneak up into this uh, top four. We'll see where the committee, uh, you know, the committee ranks them, but I like them a lot, especially with the defense, because I think this year, like I said, going back to everything, is running the ball, playing defense are two indicators for this year, and I think you know that's where that's where Oregon's gotten to where they've gotten. That's where Michigan and Michigan State have gotten where they've gotten. Oklahoma State as well. Cincinnati will put them at eight just by default. Uh, Baylor's there at nine, and Ole Miss at ten. They were able to run the ball as well. So, you know, I think one thing that hurts Oregon overall, guys, is the Pac-12 is just terrible. Uh, I, I don't I just don't think it's 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 very good, and I think they lose, um, you know, lose some some respect on that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if uh, if Oklahoma State's able to capitalize on things later in this year. We'll see if uh, how Alabama plays out these last two weeks against two good teams in uh, you know Arkansas and Auburn. Now T.J. Finley will be the quarterback for Auburn in that Iron Bowl with Ooh, Bo yeah. Nick having broken his ankle, so it'll be a little bit less intriguing, in my opinion, on that. But hey, you know T.J. Finley, we'll see if he can pull out the uh, the magic that he did against Georgia State on that last uh, thing that Auburn could have went down <laughs> to in that. Uh, when you're having to save yourself from uh, Georgia State on the last play at the, in the fourth quarter, you know uh, you have some issues there. But, you know, guys, that is uh, kind of our, our top ten preview. Now we do want to jump into, okay, our two games that we're going to be touching on. And let's uh, – with, with, with Eric in the comments and some of these guys over here uh, boiling – lava hot about uh the oregon take that we've all uh had right here well I will say that, that's why it was so like surprising to a lot of people in those first rankings come out like yes they have this win against ohio state but the pac-12 is so bad people are like dang that's that's where the playoff committee has them like they must love head-to-head matchups and then they show that they don't with michigan state michigan and everything else going on below them so it's kind of confusing of like where the committee so if anything we can just blame the committee for our picks right yeah hey there there you go it's it's how the committee thinks uh thinks about them you know early on so we'll see uh you know what ends up happening this this tuesday but um anyways let's get into our preview here of oregon versus utah uh so josh what's the line on this one what's vegas thinking early on uh all that kind of kind of stuff i know i think you said uh it's it's in salt lake city so i think utah has actually got some points in this one yeah, like you mentioned uh, quite a few times, 
you get you get a couple of points being at home. But I always say Vegas knows. At the end of the day, Vegas knows more than we do, and they do have right now. It could change. Uh, Utah is three point favorites at home against the number three Oregon Ducks, and I said that was surprising to me because. I know a little bit about Utah, but the thing I know most about Utah is that their quarterback quit the team early in the season. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of surprising to me that they are the home favorites right now. But we'll Cameron Ryzen's playing well for Utah yeah. right now. Came in, terrible situation. He's like, all right, well, I guess Brewer's out. Like, I'll take over. And like you said, he's been playing great. But for me, just this is a matchup game for Utah. Obviously, Oregon does not pass the ball very well with Brown. He is phenomenal on the ground. Die probably has the best mustache in college football. He's a good running back ever since CJ Verdell went down. The run game's there, and Utah's like, yep, run towards us. That is exactly what we want. That is their strong point on defense. I know they've been putting a lot of secondary guys in the league. They're playing on Sundays, and they're killing it the last few years with Utah. But right now, their linebacker core and their front four is killing it for them. And I think this is where Vegas is like, all right, Oregon's going to have to pass the ball against Utah, and they're not going to be able to get it done. Well, and Utah has had five games this year where they've held their opponent to either 102 rushing yards or less. They gave up one game 102, and then those other four were below 100 yards. So they, they're – they're sound at, at fitting run gaps and and stopping the run, and uh, you know obviously that's what um, that's what Oregon is going to want to do, Donovan, as they go in there, as Josh mentioned. Yeah, and, and again, Utah is going to have the ability to say, okay, we dare you to throw the ball, we dare you to, because you had 135 or 140 yards passing against Washington State or Washington Washington State uh, last week. If you're in the case of Oregon. Right. And, you know, on the flip side, it doesn't help Utah. They have two offensive linemen that, you know, their head coach has been a little you know, quiet on whether or not they're going to play. They both got hurt um, playing Arizona last week. They're missing a, a starting defensive back. Um, so, th again, they're going to be begging Oregon to throw the ball. Oregon, to me, and, and you guys can tell me if you agree or not, Oregon, to me, as a team, almost reminds me a little bit of Oklahoma State. Just and bear with me for a second. Oklahoma State can run the ball real well. They got a good, they got a good offensive line. They got some spotty quarterback play. Oregon reminds me in that way. They just seem a little bit faster, right? Which is why you can see the passing game maybe one day coming off a little bit, right? Because they have some that speed. Not as physical as Oklahoma State, right? Because Oklahoma State is a tough group of people. But Oregon, I think we're waiting to see, especially from Utah is going to bait them, say, show us what you have. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bird's word, nobody said that Oregon can't run the football. We said that's what they want to do going into this game, and they're going to face a Utah team that prides themselves on stopping the run. We just said it's going to be strength on strength. So nobody said uh, that Oregon wouldn't run the football. They they obviously run the football very well, and they have a quarterback. That's, all they, they, that's all they can do. <laughs> yeah, and, they can't uh, pass the ball. <laughs> yeah, we, we now, so nobody said, uh, you know, that they can't run the football. So I don't know where you're thinking that came from. They, I, I, they can I, obviously I, run the football. I, I will say – about my Oregon take. That's what it was. It's right. I didn't realize this, but this is actually – a game between two brothers with the Sewell brothers. We got Noah and Nephi. They're both linebackers. Like, no wonder Panay was such a great offensive lineman. His two brothers are, like, really good linebackers that he's going against. Um, So, like, for me, I, I, I just really like this linebacker core for Utah. Lloyd is another guy um, in the linebacker core that's being talked about draft-wise. His stock's been going up all season long. So, I think they're just going to load just load the box if you're Utah, really. Just, just load the box. Let Brown have to make plays because he's shown – all season long, he can be a liability in the passing game. Like 
yes, he's going to run. So like maybe put a spy on him if you're smart, but load that box up and just let them funnel these runs towards your linebackers and just shut it down. But to me, it's is Kayvon Thibodeau going to make plays. There's no way Oregon wins this game if they don't rush for over 200 yards. Like they have to. If it if it's under 200 rushing yards, then their defense has like three or four turnovers for them to win this game. So I'm looking at a superstar like Thibodeau who's going to come in and wreak havoc and just give the quarterback nightmares. Create opportunities for your offense to have a short field. You know I love Thibodeau. Had him as one of my Heisman guys before the season. Got a little banged <laughs> up, but still killing it six sacks this season. He's a top three pick. Probably yeah, he- number one. Probably number two. And some people are in here saying that that Utah's uh, rushing defense has been, they've allowed 138 rushing yards a, uh, on average a game this year. That is not as nowhere near you know saying it's elite, but it's nowhere near terrible either. They, I mean, you're you're allowing less than 150 yards rushing a game. You're you're giving yourself a chance to get people off the field and and force tough plays on, especially against on, BYU, San Diego State. These are good running teams. Uh, USC's got a pretty high-powered offense. They've been kind of hit or miss this season. Arizona State can run the ball. They've got a mobile quarterback. Like they've played some really good running teams. So I, I agree with you. I think their running defense is better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. Yeah, and I, and no way are we have we even given a prediction year yet. So <laughs> we'll see what ends up happening with what people uh, what people are saying. But I'm just saying, Vegas uh, knows what they're what they're doing, and I. Sometimes I'll look at this like, why is this line this way? Let me put a hundred dollars on this game, and this is a game where Utah's going to win by four. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what ends up in, ends up happening. Uh, you can't just throw out you know averages and things like that and say that's how a game's going to play out. So uh, you know when you come to it, like we said, bet online uh, spread is. Utah minus three with the over under at 59. Uh, go ahead and give your score predictions and uh, kind of takes on the, this one, Donovan. Yeah, I think as much as I want to see Oregon baited in that trap game, I still don't, I don't know if they slip up in this one. Um, and I know Vegas, you know, is, is telling me, they tell me straight up, they're saying, we know what we're doing. Like you mentioned, they know what they're doing. I still have a feeling that Oregon is going to win this game. Um, in a you know kind of a lower scoring game, I'm gonna say 27 20 Oregon. It's a relatively you know kind of average scoring game. I think the run game kind of burns some time off the clock. Yeah, uh, Josh, go ahead. I, you know, I've been saying a lot about Utah, but I will say Oregon's been impressed with the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, Kayvon Thibodeau is one of my favorite guys, and once again, Noah Sewell as a freshman, he's been having a phenomenal season leading the team with 79 total tackles and three sacks to add to it. So I like Oregon. I just, I need to see more from Brown in the passing game for them to have a chance. Like I said, I like, like die. He came up, stepped up as soon as CJ Verdell went down, he's been running the ball phenomenal. So I think Oregon's defense can create opportunities against a guy like Cam rising, who, like I said, kind of came into a bad situation with Brewer, just quitting the team straight out. He's getting his opportunity. But for me, Oregon needs to make a statement this game. Like I said, for the playoff committee, they think high of them. People are scratching their heads like, hey, we know you just have that one win against Ohio State. Like I said, Oregon fans, if you want them to be above Ohio State, make a statement this week, and maybe Ohio State slips up one more time, Donovan. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'll say 23-20 Oregon. I think it's a pretty low-scoring game. 23-20. Yeah, I, I think – so the over-under is 59 on this one. 
Um, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna go the under on this one one because I just don't know how productive Utah is gonna be there. They in terms of like you said, I think the Oregon defense is in my opinion a lot stronger than the offense. I think they're playing a lot better. People are you know. I think a little bit jaded on the, the the run game, the productivity because of their playing against the Pac-12 guys, and I just I just I, I'm talking about that 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 level of competition. I think Oregon uh, is going to maybe struggle a little bit early offensively. Their defense is going to force some turnovers, and then the thing starts to get out of hand a little bit late. So I'm going to take Oregon. Uh, Eric, you'll like this in, in the comments over there. Uh, I think I'm going to take Oregon to win this one. 34-21, I, I think that, that Oregon takes care of business late. But I think it's, you know, for two and a half, uh, three quarters there, it's a, it's a closer game uh, as, as things goes on. But Oregon, with their talent, is able to, to pull out late. Anthony Brown probably makes a few plays uh, with his legs there at the end to, to pull away. So that is our, that is our uh, you know, take on Oregon and Utah. And now we're going to talk about Ohio State, the number four team, at least to, to the current rankings, uh, taking on um, Michigan State. So, Donovan, uh, you're the resident Ohio State aficionado here. What is your opinion? How nervous are you going into uh, this game with Michigan State traveling to Columbus? You know, I'd say it being Columbus gives me, you know, calms my nerves a little bit. Michigan State, though, uh, I believe is the most talented uh, and just well-built team that uh, Ohio State will play this year. Kenneth Walker, uh, third Josh, one of your favorite guys, is a monster, right? Michigan State offensive line is playing up to the task. Michigan State culture-wise, Mel Tucker is going to have them ready to play. Um, I think the thing that, again, we've seen Ohio State with Purdue, right? We we even saw them do well against Oregon despite the loss, um, is, the, is just the skill and the talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. Um, when Purdue can score 40 points against your defense, right, and can throw up over 500 yards passing that Aiden O'Connell did against the Spartans, that should scare you, right? When you have, in my opinion, the best receiving core in the, in college football, uh, you have one of the best running backs in college football, Travion Henderson, uh, Jeremy Rucker, a tight end for Ohio State, who is quietly going to be probably a fourth, third, fourth round pick um, in the upcoming draft, and C.J. Stroud, who is now the betting favorite to win the Heisman, right? And I don't by any means think he is the best player in college football. It's probably Kayvon Thibodeau. When you have all those weapons around you, right, and you have even guys on defense, right, Ohio State against Purdue, they allowed only about, I think it was 89, 90 yards rushing, uh, their front four is is strong. It's the back seven that that worries me, um, and so it's it's going to be an interesting matchup to see Kenneth Walker that run game versus a front four that's strong, but a back seven that is bad, bad. They're making changes at linebacker. They're making changes in the secondary. The back seven is bad. David Bell uh, will do that to you. I yes, think I will. think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Peyton Thorne is a guy at quarterback for for Michigan State that can do some things with his legs when, that surprises you a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that he's – it's not that he's – you know, kind of like people talk about uh, with Stetson Bennett at Georgia, right? He's not – it's not like he's a game-breaker at, at quarterback with his legs, but makes just enough plays to maybe hold you, you know, accountable and, and, and things like that. Can he 
because uh, Kenneth Walker is going to be who that Ohio State defense is is you know keyed in on, right? Can they can they stop Kenneth Walker? He's averaging six point five yards a carry on the year, approaching fifteen hundred yards. In my opinion, I think Kenneth Walker uh, leading into this game should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But I, I think that you know Mel Tucker, uh, even though Michigan State has not been great defensively, like you said. Uh, you know, he's he's a defensive minded guy. So, you know, that for weeks now, he even he's tried to had to, uh, you know, focus on different things right here that they can end up, you know, trying to maybe implement change up coverages, whatever to, to confuse a young CJ Stroud and see if they can force us some turnovers. They're not going to consistently stop Ohio State. That's not going to happen. But can they do enough to maybe force some pressures, get CJ Stroud? Um, you know, uh, uncomfortable in a situation, force a throw, get a get a pick, maybe a short field, something like that. That's how Michigan State would have to stay in this game. Josh? Yeah, I just really think about back to that Oregon game. Like, can Michigan State really copy it? Even though we all agree Ohio State's a much better team than that game, especially C.J. Stroud, can Kenneth Walker just milk this game and hit those home run plays with his feet just like C.J. Verdell was doing before he went down. So, like, can they control the game, control the clock, and then the defense has to create turnovers? We remember that C.J. Stroud interception against Oregon just killed the momentum of that game. Can Michigan State do that? We haven't seen an, enough of this Michigan State defense, you know, making play-wise, except, except for really the end of the Michigan game, the interception that really put the nail in the coffin. So, if you can get two turnovers and you can run Kenneth Walker, I hate to say it, like Derrick Henry numbers like 25, 30 times this game, and he's at like that 200-yard mark, two, three tutties, which I think he can do pretty easily because he's Kenneth Walker the third. I think you have a chance. I really genuinely think you do, and you talk about Thorne, you know, he's kind of like another little Kirk Cousins, just not as good as a thrower. Just He can manage that game, not make mistakes, do some things on his feet. I mean, you've got a guy like Naylor and Reed. You've got some weapons out there. Oregon exposed that linebacker core too. Like we've been saying, the linebacker core, that secondary for Ohio State, has not been looking good. You don't need to come out and throw for 300, 400 yards to beat Ohio State. You just got to make enough big plays to score and keep up with Ohio State who's clicking on offense like it's no one's business. That, that All the weapons Ohio State has on offense, I'll say, is, is on paper and probably on the field too the most talented offense in college football. Yeah, so Ohio State, 19-point favorite. Over-under is 67. Donovan, uh, what's your official prediction for this Ohio State-Michigan State game? I think the combination of the fact that Ohio State's front four is very good at stopping the run. They're very good at stopping the run, and they can get to the passer if the back seven doesn't crumble within a second like they have it, they have been in the past. Um, I think that combination, we're going to see how good Michigan State's passing is. I know they're talented at wide receiver, like you mentioned, Josh. I think I don't think they keep up with Ohio State's offense. Um, I think it'll be a close game. Not like you know, if you watch the Purdue Ohio State game, it was, it was 45 to 14 or 45 to 17 at halftime. It was not close from the jump. It's 35 to 7 with five minutes into the second quarter. I'm going to go Ohio State 45, and I'm going to go Michigan State 31. 45-28, so not covering. You said it was 19 or 17? Yeah, 19. Yeah, so I, I don't think they'll cover. It's a lot of points. I mean, I think it was 19 versus Purdue, and they easily covered that. But Michigan State, you know, even they lost Purdue, I think is a different animal for Ohio State this week. Josh? I mean, you, you think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are like the best 
two wide receivers and then Smith and Jigba comes out of nowhere and he's like, Hey guys, <laughs> let me join this wide receiver party. And then obviously my Virginia boy Henderson, who is the, I'd say he's, he's the best freshman in college football. That guy's so fast for his size. Like he is such a like perfect mix of a running back, but they do have Kenneth Walker on the other side. To me, it is all about stopping him. The best way for Ohio state not to score points is to not be on the field. So you have to control the ball have to milk the clock and just have that big 10 pound the rock kind of game. But Ohio state has way too many weapons there. It's going to look like Michigan state's making plays on defense. It's going to be like third nine. And then it's going to be like a 50 yard bomb to Gary Wilson. Like, Oh, well that was good while it lasted. Like Ohio state's just kind of popping the top off. So I'm going to say 42, 42, 28. I hate to say it. I think Ohio state wins this one pretty convincingly, but Kenneth Walker still looks good. Puts up big numbers, so us Kenneth Walker, the third stands. It's still going to be a good game, but it's just not going to be good for Michigan State's defense. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State ends up, uh, you know, winning this one. Uh, obviously, I think they're 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 more talented. I think it's at home, um, but I do think Kenneth Walker makes some plays early. You're probably going to have to see C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, come come through at, at later in this game and and do some things. But I think just in the second half. Uh, overall, that receiving core is going to, you know, make some make some huge plays. Uh, starting to get healthy over there, the receiving core too, you know, get 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 right back there. So, I'm going to take Ohio State to win this game uh, and and to cover. Uh, I'm going to take them to win this game 42-21. I, I think uh, I think ultimately that you know Peyton Thorn uh, is not going to be able to make enough plays through the air um even against the ohio state secondary that has you know struggled a little bit so i think uh, ohio state wins ohio state covers and uh you know guys that's uh that's what that's what our show kind of boils down to here today um in terms of our previews of ohio state and michigan state we talked about oregon and utah we gave our reaction our top tens will be you know Doing this once again uh, next week. We may even throw in a Twitter spaces uh, throughout the week. So follow at CFB Unfiltered. If you enjoy kind of the banter, and man, the the chat is hopping down here. Eric and Joey Kelly and all Get these on guys. Twitter. It's I, open to anybody. Eric, yep. Eric uh, you're asking, do you guys like OSU? Just just so you know, there could not be a person on the planet that, that likes Ohio State less than, <laughs> than this guy right Except here. Except for me. I'm just telling you. Uh, I, I think the, the overall, I believe in a couple of things. I believe in a coach's ability to make adjustments. Yes, they lost to Oregon, but Ryan Day is a terrific coach. He can make an adjustments with the best of them. Uh, I, I think that's a big factor. And then also, I think that recruiting at the end of the day matters. And some of these guys who are maybe inexperienced early in the year, they learn, they grow. And Ohio State has maybe the, you know, biggest collection of talent other than Georgia and Alabama in the country. That's just how it, how it's gone with recruiting the last couple of years. So at the end of the day, that's what matters. Go ahead and do us a favor. Subscribe to the 365 Sports YouTube channel. You can catch us on a podcast format, uh, you know, later on uh, in the week as well. We'll post this. We're going to break out the previews in here. All this good stuff. We're on the Believe Podcast Network. Um, but follow using at CFB unfiltered on Twitter. We're going to try to hit a Twitter spaces later 
uh, this week to talk some college football as some of the some of the more news and injury reports and things like that come out. So go ahead and hit the like button for us if you could. And uh, subscribe, turn on notifications. We'd really appreciate it. We're presented, as always, by Bet Online. And for Jonathan Taylor and Donovan White, I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we will catch you next time on CFB Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.